prepare. Uh, it is a word that represents well this season that we are in. Uh, it actually comes from the word Advent, uh, the idea, the understanding that throughout the history of the church, we have been awaiting, we have uh, been in the Advent and preparing for Jesus, not just to come or remember him that he came at Christmas, but that he will return again. Uh, but we also recognize in a real practical, functional, day-to-day way that that idea of prepare uh, has a double meaning for us as we are now at T minus 10 days and counting till Christmas. And I don't know about you, but it felt like I had barely digested my Thanksgiving turkey uh, before I woke up and it was December 1 and we were three weeks away. And so we are all in the throes of preparing for Christmas. And if you're anything like me, you have sheets of paper, maybe not this large, maybe they are, of a list of things that you need to do. Not just a list of things, but you probably have like a list of various lists that you have to have that's so much. Uh, You have a list of uh, events and things you need to be at. We call it a calendar. Uh, We have a list of things that we need to get for gifts for others. And we also have a list of things that when someone asks us, hey, what's that one thing you need that you didn't already take care of getting for yourself that I can get you that you kind of want but didn't know you wanted uh, that I can get you this Christmas? And so you got to keep this list of random things that you can tell people who want to get things for you. And so we've got lists of lists. And I don't know how if it's this way for you. It seems to be synonymous throughout a lot of our services that um, when I make a list, one of the things I like to do is put something on the list that I have already accomplished just so that I can check something off before I enter into the overwhelm of the list of the things I've not yet done. Anyone else? Yes, a few of you put things on the list that you've already done and check it off? Okay. And so um, this Christmas, what I want to do is give you uh, a list, Uh, not another list, but maybe a centerpiece list to understand all the other lists that we might uh, have as we all prepare for Christmas or continue preparing. And so as we prepare, um, the first thing that I want you to put on your list this year uh, to make sure you take care of and make sure you do is this, worry. Make sure you worry this Christmas season. In fact, in fairness to uh, the idea that we can check things off we'd already done, I'm pretty confident that we have all already done this. And so good news, you can check that off your list. You've already worried. And if you're like, I'm not worried about Christmas, well, then you're probably in the boat of like, Shouldn't I be worried? You start to worry that you're not worried. And so we all, at some measure, have worried uh, about what's going on in this season. Uh, But with that, my hope is that we would functionally be able to check off uh, the lion's share of this as a result of what we're going to see in God's word when it comes to this subject here today. And so the next thing on our list is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 30. Uh, which I would invite you to turn in a Bible to that spot. The book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, which is a passage that, personally, I have never heard preached at Christmas, but I'm going to contend that this might be the best passage about preparing for Christmas that you've never heard preached at Christmas because it is a message from Jesus, frankly, about life. It is a message for the living of our lives and the lives that we live, whether it's in March, October, or right now in the throes of December. And so Jesus, in his passage about life, he says uh, to approach our life this way. And so I invite you to follow along with me, starting in verse 25. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not 
worry. Do not worry. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? You know, when we read this and we think maybe the time of Jesus versus the time of now, it's like, you know, do we, do we I mean, we look around the room, do, you, do we really worry uh, about the food we eat or the drink that we're gonna drink or the, uh, the clothes we wear? Is that something that's still really relevant now? Well, I tell you, you pull up any social media feed and you start scrolling through what has people's attention and you're gonna see um, what someone had for lunch. Who cares? You're gonna see uh, some you know, fancy little drink or you're gonna see some snazzy new outfit that someone's wearing. It would seem that we haven't come a long way in 2,000 years from fussing and worrying about what we wear, what we eat, what we drink. And so uh, Jesus says it this way. He says, when it comes to the, the worries of this world, he said, how about this for perspective? Verse 26, he says, look up at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet, Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And he says, then who can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Who can add a single hour or a quality hour of life to your life by worrying? Well, Jesus is right. You can't add an hour but you sure can subtract some in a hurry. You can subtract hours from your life from the quality of life by giving your time and your energy to the worries of this world and then quite functionally on the stress that it has on our bodies and our health. You can literally subtract hours from your life through worry and stress that we face. And so Jesus says, when it comes to that, he says in verse 28, he says, well, why do you worry? And so why do you worry? You know, maybe, maybe that's, that's another list for us here, you know, to make the list of why is it that you worry? You know, we worry about the things we have to do this season, but we see that there's also things beyond that. Um, you know, kids in the room, you might be worrying, are you gonna get that one thing that you really want this year? Uh, students, I've encountered a few already. It's like you can't think about anything but finals right now, uh, and you're worrying about how that's gonna play out or plans for next semester. Some of you in the throes of Christmas are wondering how you're gonna pay for Christmas this year. For a lot of us, it's more relational in nature. It's wondering how it's going to be and how it's going to feel uh, for this first Christmas without grandpa at the table. Or maybe it's not someone who's missing. Maybe for you, it's someone who's going to show up. Like, what are we gonna do when he shows up for Christmas or when she comes around this year? And so Jesus asks, why do you worry? you probably don't have to think real hard and long about it because it's, it's right here. It's, it's, it's ready to go. You already know the answer before I ask. Uh, it's the worry. It's the thing that, that wakes you up thinking that your bladder is full. Uh, you take care of that. You head back to bed and you realize, no, it's my, my brain that's full. And you start to worry and spin and, and, and kind of replay these same things over and over and over in your mind uh, as, you, as you're awakening. And so Jesus says, why do you worry? Why do you worry? You already know why you worry. And so Jesus goes on. He says, why do you worry, for example, about, say, clothes? Uh, see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. 
He's saying the flowers, they're not worried about these things. They're not laboring and spinning because that's what worry is. It's, it's that spinning cycle in our mind, that, that repeat, that repeat, this idea that if, and, and we, as we give our attention to worry, that we just kind of start spinning and spinning and spinning and worrying and worrying and wondering. And it's like, okay, I think I'm doing some good here because I'm giving some, some thought and some energy to this problem, uh, but I'm thinking it's gonna make some progress. But what you realize is that as you spin and repeat and spin, that you're not really making any progress. You're, you're moving, but when you stop, you're actually in the exact same spot that you started, only now you can't see straight. <laughs> And so we worry and we spin. And Jesus says, do not, look at the flowers of the field, do not labor and spin. Like the flowers of the field, uh, you look at Solomon and all his splendor, he was not dressed like one of these. And so God says, Jesus says, if that is how he clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow sown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Will he not much more take care of you, O you of little faith? And so Jesus says it again, verse 31. He says, so do not worry. Do not worry. And as great as that is to instruct, I don't know, one of the, let's just be honest, we can get a little real here. For me, one of the most annoying things I think someone can say to me when I actually get honest and vulnerable and transparent about a worry that I have, that their response, their advice, their counsel is, oh, well, don't worry then. It's like, gee, wow, that's so helpful. Thank you so much. And so I look at this, I'm like, well, Jesus, why do you do this to us? Why do you give us this, you know, hey, you're worried? Well, hey, do not worry. Well, the only way that Jesus, or frankly, anyone in your life can look at you, hear your worry, and repeat back to you, oh, do not worry. The only way that anyone, including Jesus, can do that with any credibility is if the person telling you to not worry know something about your worry that you don't. The only way that someone can, with any credibility, say to you, hey, don't worry, is if that person knows something about that worry that you don't know or perhaps maybe forgotten. It's like this, I know you guys, this is late service, so I know you guys are good about making it to church, even if it means missing you know, the Bears playing, your favorite team, uh, because it's all right, we live in an age now where you can do this little thing called DVR, and you can record that which you think you miss. And so um, if you're like me, maybe you've gone home and you've caught up on a game that you've DVR'd and you're watching a pre-recorded game that you're either several minutes, maybe several hours, maybe the game is already over, but you're watching it as if you're watching it and live TV. And so you're sitting there, and as you're watching this game unfold, you start to see that your team is not looking so hot, and things aren't looking good, and you start to worry. You start to worry how things are going. You start to worry how things are going to play out. And then you start to worry about yourself. You're like, why am I worried about this? Like, why does it matter if a 24-year-old kid drops a football? Why is, this does not matter in the scheme of the history of the world. Why am I worried? I don't want to worry about this. I don't want to worry. So to eliminate the worry, you take your phone and you take a peek at your ESPN.com app. And you see, oh, The game, it's already over. And to your delight, your team has come back. Your team has won. (sighs) Put down the phone, push play, and all of a sudden, you are watching the exact same circumstance that you were just watching, but you now know something about the worry that you did not know before. 
you now know something about the worry that you did not know, namely the outcome. And so you've got the exact same circumstance and situation in front of you, yet an entirely different perspective. Jesus says, I have an entirely different perspective. I know your worries. I know what you need, Jesus says. And I know not just the perspective, but the very real power of the Holy Spirit that can be at work within a perspective and a trust in me, which he's gonna go on to say. So verse 31, with the entirely new perspective, Jesus says confidently, do not worry, because he knows. You know, when it comes to saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? He says, the pagans, they run after these things. A pagan is someone who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't know what Jesus knows. They Remember, it's filling up their Instagram feed. Jesus says, the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father, he already knows. He knows that you need him. He knows that you have these needs, and so... This is what Jesus says. He says, what do we do then with that? What do we do with this perspective? What do we do with the power of this? This is, this is the kicker right here. This is how we check off this idea of moving past worry. Instead of focusing on the worry, we focus on, it says in verse 33, Jesus says, instead do this. Instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Simply put, seek his will and his ways in your life. And he says, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so, do not worry. Now, please hear me. I in no way intend to belittle or minimize the worries and the concerns that we face, that you face in your life. Um, I, uh, I, I'm no doctor, I'm no psychologist, nor do I play one on the internet. Um, and so I don't want to belittle any of those, but I do recognize um, as a follower of Jesus that when it comes to our emotional health, our mental health, our physical health, that our spiritual health, that our spiritual well-being has a direct impact on all of those areas that, as I see that anxiety and, and, and worry, they are complex issues that we cannot cover on a Sunday morning in just a few minutes, but I will tell you that the key ingredient to pushing a domino forward in all of those areas is the promise of Jesus, the perspective of Jesus, the power of Jesus to seek first his kingdom rather than seeking first all of these other things. Uh, another translation says it this way, the idea of seeking first the kingdom of God. It says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. To steep your life like a bag of tea, like soak in God's realities, his provisions, and the initiatives that he's doing in your life. Or in a word, to take the word from our word today, that when we seek first the kingdom, we are choosing to adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, or another word for that, worship. Oh, come let us adore him, worship him, Christ the Lord, where this idea that we're giving functionally our, our worship, our worth, that's where that word worship comes from, from the idea of worth, that you're giving your energy, your time, your first things first, your worth, to his kingdom, his will, and his ways. That when we do this, 
when we seek first and the kingdom of God and adore him and worship him rather than you could say giving our energy to the anxiety, adoring our anxiety, pouring into the abyss that that is, that when we you know, put all of our life and steeping it in our worries and instead adore him and give worth to Jesus, it's then that we are on our way, you could say, to replacing our worry with the worship of him. That we replace our worry with worship or to use our word for the day to adore. We abandon anxiety when we adore him. We replace our worry when we worship and we abandon anxiety when we adore him with adoration. And again, that's not to minimize in any way the very real concerns that we have in our life. I'm not trying to minimize those, but more so we wanna maximize our worship in light of those worries. Uh, or as the old song says, that when we, when we worship, when we adore him, that the things of this earth, the song says, the things of this earth will grow, it says, strangely dim. Strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Like almost surprisingly dim in the light of his glory and his grace when we steep our life in God, putting first things first, meaning getting into his word on a daily basis, getting uh, into prayer on a daily basis. When we adore him, we put him first, maybe over the next 10 days rather than our worries, then we will make movement on replacing our worry as we worship and abandoning anxiety as we adore him, adore Jesus rather than the worries of this world. And then we can actually functionally arrive at what it says in verse 34, and we can have the confidence of Jesus where he says, therefore. As a result of all this, seek first his kingdom, and then therefore, say it with me, say therefore. Therefore, one more time, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, or the next 10 days, or the 10 days after that. But instead, Psalm 27, four, steep your life. It says, dwell in the presence of the Lord, all the days of your life. And so may it be for us all by the power of Jesus. A key way we do that with regularity here and as we go into our weeks is through the remembrance of all that he did for us through the practice of communion. Uh, And in communion, I've heard it said this way, that uh, when it comes to the circumstances of our life that our our tendency is, you could say to gaze at our circumstances and glance at God. That when it comes to the natural default position of the living of our lives, we tend to gaze at our circumstances, you know, just stare into the abyss of our worries and our anxieties and our schedules and whatever it is that's coming our way, and then just an occasional glance at God. Oh yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season. Or, Or maybe, God, look at all this. Can you help me with this real quick? We gaze at our stuff and we glance at God, which sounds a whole lot like putting 15th, the kingdom of God, rather than first. And so I wonder for you, for the next 10 days and beyond, what would it look like if you, instead of gazing at your circumstances with an occasional glance toward God, what if we flipped that? What if we were intentional to, you could say, gaze at the things of God first thing every day by getting in his word, getting in prayer, gazing at God as a positive domino into all that we have uh, to fall into place for the rest of the day, gazed at God and only then maybe put us in a position to give the appropriate glance toward our circumstances. 
What if we gazed at God and then only glanced at our circumstances? What if we, instead of gazing into our lists, our Christmas list, we gazed into the Christmas story, which is the story of the goodness of God, the gospel, that God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, uh, in the humility of a baby that instead of a crib came to us in a cow trough, who would then, yes, start as a baby, but live his life uh, to give it over to death on a cross so that we could be given the gift of a new life through the forgiveness of sin and a gift of a whole new life in Jesus' resurrection. What if we gazed into that? And we started that with communion today that we would remember that the way this whole relationship was made possible with the God of the universe, that we can actually seek first his will, his ways, and actually uh, experience that is through what Jesus Christ did for us in giving his body over on a cross, which we remember in the bread as Jesus instructed, and his blood poured out on the cross, which we remember in the cup. And so we invite you to adore him, to worship him in communion today. Uh, if you're a guest with us, and uh, just know that you don't have to be a member at First Christian Church to uh, participate. If Jesus Christ is the Savior and Lord of your life, then we invite you to remember him with us. Uh, if you're here today and you're like, I'm not quite there, uh, then I'd encourage you, utilize this time to seek him first, to, to talk to him and say, okay, God, I don't know what this means or what this looks like. I know I don't wanna keep seeking first all the, the, the stuff of this world that's right in front of me. I wanna look up and look at what you have for me. And so have an honest prayer with God about that. And then before you leave, as everyone kind of makes their way out of the room, I'll be uh, here up front. I'll be the last, or happy to be the last to leave to talk with you about what that life uh, could look like for you. And so as you remember him or seek him and do all of that together, let me pray for us uh, in thankfulness for all that God has done in his son, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your grace and your goodness to send your son, uh, yes, in the form of a baby, but that we recognize would grow to be a man who would give his life on a cross. Through his body and his blood, we remember him as we take the bread and we take the cup and we seek you, both now and over the next 10 days, and that we would steep our life in all that you have, all the days of our life. May it be in the name of Jesus.